Our passage today begins with the important words, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. In our day, we have so many truth claims. I think I've mentioned this so many times in the last year or so. All of the truth claims that clamor for our attention, that tell us that they are right and the others are wrong, and that ideas have consequences. Well, no ideas have more important consequences than the ideas about God and about our relationship with God. So it is important for us to honestly seek the truth in every area of life, but so much more importantly than any other arena is our commitment to truth about God. So there are lots of truth claims about God. The one that is the most prominent today in our culture and the world around us is that all paths lead to God, that uh, any religious effort is acceptable to God, and that there should be no um, religion or truth claim that says that others aren't true. And this is illustrated by the, the story of the blind man, man and the elephant, and I've used that story before, that um, the one man uh, interacts with the elephant's trunk and says that, that this thing, whatever it is, this elephant, is it, it moves, it, it has um, flexibility, and the other interacts with the elephant's leg and says this is immovable, it's, it's big, it's strong. Another interacts with the elephant's tail and says, no, it's, it's not so thick and it's like a rope. And they all believe that they understand the elephant from their limited perspective. And the, the claim is that um, they, could, they could only know the elephant if they could envision the whole thing, and they can't. But the problem, as Leslie Newbegin points out in his book, The Gospel in a Pluralistic Society, is that... The, those who claim this as a, uh, an argument for the idea that all roads lead to God are claiming that they see the whole elephant while everybody else sees only a part. Newbigin says, It is imperialistic and arrogant to make that claim. So, what do we do? It, it is interesting, though, that people who say, well, all religions are equally good, are making a faith claim. Are they not? They are making a claim that what they're saying is true, and uh, a religion that says it is the only way, as Jesus himself said, uh, is, isn't true because all religions are true. Well, their argument presupposes the truth of what they believe over and against the truth of what someone else might believe, and that is uh, the very same thing that they are doing, that they are claiming that those who have a truth claim uh, of a unique way to God, uh, they're doing the same thing that we do when we say Jesus is the only way, by saying that, just declaring that their truth is the truth. And oh my goodness, how many times do we run across people in 
everyday uh, interactions in social media, on television, wherever it might be, who just make a claim and say, this is true, without any backup, any support. It seems to be the way of the world right now that people just make their truth claims and you have to accept it as true or fight with them about it. But there's no understanding of why they can make this claim. And that's why it is important for us as believers in Jesus Christ to understand why we believe that Jesus is the unique path to God. One of the ways to do this is to ask, what is faith for? What is religion for, for lack of a better term? Is it to help us feel better, to, to give us a structure upon which to uh, build our lives? Is it to help us behave better? A lot of people think this way. They bring their kids to Sunday school until the kids figure out how to behave well, and then um, they don't need to come back. Well, that's a misunderstanding of what the Christian faith is, at least, the Christian faith is not, its main goal is not to make us feel better. Its main goal is not to make us behave better. It is to connect us with God. And any claim, any religious claim, should have the same aim. Should it not? Otherwise, what's the point? Otherwise, who needs it? And if a religious claim is meant to connect us with God, the ones to trust are the ones that claim to have a word from God, direction from God as to how to connect with God. And there are many reasons why I trust the Christian truth claim, uh, but this is one of them is that God has revealed himself in the Bible and told us who Jesus Christ is. And we measure that truth claim against history, against what Jesus Christ does within our own lives, and what um, Christians have done, the good things Christians have done through the centuries, uh, reflecting that the Holy Spirit is involved and working through them. Now, John says here, do not believe every spirit. But aren't we talking about ideas? Well, John Stott said, religious views are not just cognitive. There are real spiritual influences, another realm that impacts the ideas that we have. And it is very important that we uh, see this. Otherwise, we'll just see them as different ideas, which is one thing, but it's a whole other thing if these different ideas have a goal to pull you away from a real relationship with God. Not every spiritual idea or idea about God is from God. Scripture contains many passages that warn us against false teaching, in Deuteronomy 18.21, says, You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that message the Lord has not spoken. 
Matthew 7:15, the words of Jesus Christ himself. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 2 Peter two, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Second Corinthians, the words of Paul, chapter 11, verse 13, For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. And Paul once again in 2 Timothy 4.3, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teaching to suit their passions. Scripture is full of these warnings. Should we not realize that we must heed these warnings and seek to build our faith on the truth that is revealed to us by God? So what are the tests? If it is important that we test the spirits and only trust the right ones, what are the tests? How do we know? Well, in verse 2, we read, Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Well, there's a lot there to unpack, more than uh, initially meets the eye. One thing that's important to realize is that it says that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Jesus Christ entered humanity. Jesus Christ entered the material world in order to redeem humanity and the world. The, the arguments that were um, popular in, in um, John's day were arguments that said, well, the spiritual is what God's really after, and the material world, it doesn't matter. So people excused all kinds of behaviors that God had said were wrong because they said, well, they're just, they're just my body. I'm just using my body for that, not my spirit. And um, the gospel, though, says that body and spirit are united, and God works to restore body and spirit and to restore the earth. The the scriptural promise is for a new heaven and a new earth where the material world will be redeemed as well as our own selves. So Jesus, in his humanity, entered the material world. That is, that is important here. That is one of the things that uh, we have to look at. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. The next thing, Jesus Christ has come. It doesn't say Jesus Christ was born, although he was, but the implication here is that he came from somewhere. And throughout the New Testament, we find that Jesus Christ came from God. He came from the right hand of God the Father. Jesus Christ existed in the Trinity at the beginning, at creation and before. Jesus Christ is God. So the truth of Jesus Christ being God and Jesus Christ being fully human, fully God, fully human, is the, is 
Very important because he is the unique bridge then between God and human beings. The unique way, the only way that creation can be redeemed. Gnosticism was the belief that only the spirit matters. Gnosticism also carried with it uh, this idea of secret knowledge that other people don't get. And uh, John and Paul and, well, the other gospel writers don't go to George and Ringo at this point, but the other writers in, in the, the other apostles, the other writers of the New Testament, made sure that people understood that Gnosticism was a mistake. It's wrong. It does not lead to truth. It is not truth. And we have examples of Gnosticism today the, in New Age spirituality, which separates the spiritual, the inner spiritual, from any connection with an actual God. We find Gnosticism in the conspiracy theories that say, well, we have special knowledge and wait till you find out how true this is. And then we find out that they, those things are indeed not true. The spirit of conspiracy theories is the spirit of Gnosticism. It is an arrogant spirit that sets itself up over and against the rest of the world to say, I get it and you don't. Now, there may sometime be something that is true that um, other people don't see, but generally speaking, it's not, and it's, it's really the spirit behind it of being willing to believe all kinds of things that there's no real proof for just because someone says it. John fought against that, and we should too. The other thing we see <clears throat> is that um, true, the true spirit of God that guides us in our relationship with God maintains allegiance to God. Deuteronomy 13 says, if someone prophesies and that prophecy comes true, because that's one of the measures, if it doesn't come true, you don't believe it. But if it does come true, and then the prophet says, now, here's a new way, and it's not the way of God, then that prophet is not trustworthy. Do not put your hope in what they are saying, because a measure of truth in these prophecies, a measure of truth in um, relationship with God is that it maintains allegiance to God. And then we see um, in verse 5, these false spirits, false thoughts are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. If the ideas that are coming at you are easy to believe because they fit the thoughts of the world around you, question them. Don't easily accept them. Our natural tendency is to easily accept them because they fit, they're easy. But measure them as the Bereans were commended for in Acts 17 for measuring everything they heard against what the scripture said. Now, it is important for us to measure everything we hear and to base everything we believe on what the scriptures say. Now, this does not mean that we need to be or should ever be hateful toward the world. 
the, the term antichrist here, um, we think of the one political leader at the end of time that's going to um, take over and, and work against Christians. But antichrist in scripture is used many times in different ways. But the, the important thing to understand is that anti means against, but it also means a substitute for. So there are many substitutes for Christ. There are many way, things that people put their hope in, that they put their um, trust in for truth that are not Christ. And these are, by this definition, anti-Christs. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But the pressures of the world are strong, are they not? And I'm reminded of an illustration I heard this week about, um, about what it's like as a Christian to live in the world. And the, the preacher used the illustration of, of a submarine that went way, way deep into the ocean. The submarine was... Um, made very, 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 very strong to, to, uh, so that it could withhold, uh, stand up to all the pressure that is found at the bottom of the ocean. And sure enough, there down at the bottom of the ocean, they saw a fish. A fish was swimming around as if it fit because it did. This fish, how did it, if, one, if someone from that submarine had gotten out of the submarine, they would have died instantly because of all this pressure. But the fish was fine. How was this fish okay in the bottom of the sea under all that pressure? The fish was okay because inside the fish was as much pressure as there was outside. It was designed that way. And we uh, have the spirit within us. We are designed so that we are strong enough to withhold, to, to stand up under the pressure of this world. The, the one who is in you, verse 4, is greater than the one who is in the world. Trust in God. Allow the spirit to fill you. Then you won't need to... Um, be cruel to the world, but be strong and not let the world force you into its old, in, into its mold, as uh, an older version of Romans 12, 2 says. I read an article this week called, Don't Go With Your Gut. <laughs> uh, so we, we, we measure our um, truth claims against what the world says and say, if the world says it and it's easy to believe, Maybe I should doubt it more. And the other thing is, if it's easy to believe because it agrees with you, you should doubt it more. This uh, person who wasn't a Christian, as, as far as I know, wrote, don't trust your gut because you have all kinds of presupposition, all kinds of um, desire to have what you already believe be proved true. And when you just trust your gut, you're going to continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. Look for truth outside of yourself. And that's what we are called to do here. Look to the truth of God's word. If it disagrees with what I um, assumed, then I should change my mind rather than try to change the word of God to fit me. We are called to be humble, 
A true Christian will not be arrogant uh, with the knowledge that we have the truth, but will be humble because we realize that the reason we're Christian is not because we're better than anyone else or we have any reason to boast, as, as Paul makes it clear. But we are we are made new because of the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Tim Keller says it this way, take moralistic religion into the center of your life and you'll feel superior to the secularists. Take secularism into the center of your life and you'll feel, feel superior to all those stupid religious people. Take the gospel into the center of your life and you will be humbled before people who don't believe what you believe. You'll seek to serve people who don't believe what you believe and you'll know that a man who loves people who don't love him is what your whole life is built on. Friends, we have the truth. Let's trust this truth and trust our God who revealed it to us and allow the Spirit to strengthen us so that we are not pulled in one direction or another, but on the straight path that follows the biblical witness to Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord.